You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer joining you from a Grand Fork Studios. And uh, I love the opportunities that we have to visit with people in various parts of our listening area. One such part is uh, one of the most interestingly shaped geographical dioceses in America, the bottom county or two, all the way from east to west along the border of Minnesota. That con- constitutes the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, and their fearless shepherd, Bishop John Quinn, returns with us. Welcome back to Real Presence Live, Bishop. Uh, thank you, Father James and Father Jason. And it is really uh, unusually shaped, but we call it the banana belt. Um, <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, it is always at least 10 degrees warmer here than it is any other place in uh, Minnesota. So we think of ourselves really as being in this tropical area of the state. Yeah. It's just a tropical paradise. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There, there is definitely in the wintertime a contrast between places like Winona and uh, Burmidgee, as, uh, <laughs> as it's affectionately called, and other parts of Minnesota. So um, we're just a few days away from Holy Week, and uh, what we'd like to hear is sort of an inside baseball, you might say, perspective from you, Bishop, about what that week is like for you. And maybe um, this year, uh, being able to resume uh, such as they are public uh, celebrations of liturgies, whereas that had been rather suddenly shut down for the faithful last year. So uh, what are you looking forward to? Oh, I'm this year, of course, looking forward to being able to celebrate the Chrism Mass with my brother priests. As you know, last year we had to do that uh, by live streaming. Uh, and then at another time when I was able to gather the priests to be able to have them renew their priestly promises. So as we start Holy Week, uh, after we have celebrated, uh, of course, Palm Sunday, the next day will be our Chrism Liturgy. But that whole week now, this year, our uh, people from our diocese will be present, uh, certainly in smaller numbers yet, as we still, you know, have certain restrictions. But last year, uh, we only had, I believe, 10 people, including myself as the celebrant. So I am really, my heart, uh, the power of grace is ready to receive as God's people can assemble for this most important week of the year. Amen to that. Yeah. We were also talking in a previous segment about uh, the experience of the Triduum, as one of our callers uh, was asking about how that unfolds, you know, as one uh, main liturgy from the start of Holy Thursday through Good Friday into the, the Great Easter Vigil on Saturday night. So I was just interested in some of your perspectives of that experience as uh, the bishop in, in your diocese, what it means to you to be able to celebrate the Triduum. I think the Triduum, uh, as, I mean, the whole week is a week of great grace as we enter into the mystery of love of Christ's redemptive work, but especially as we come to Holy Thursday and the gift of the Eucharist, um, and of course this year we, there won't be the washing of feet, but still the, the gift of the mystery of the Eucharist, of Jesus being present to his church, to his people, and to nourish us with the bread of life. So on Holy Thursday, 
the focus on the institution of that gift the night before the Lord dies. And then uh, we'll also be able to have this year the transfer of the Eucharist, uh, a uh, smaller procession. It's not uh, Corpus Christi, but it will be an opportunity then for prayer and reflection in the church till midnight. So we're able to reestablish that. And then that leads to Good Friday, to the contemplation of the passion of the Lord and his death. It is the one time in the year we don't celebrate Mass or the Eucharist, because this is one long, in a sense, continuous liturgy begun on Holy Thursday, and then the Passion of the Lord, and then coming to Holy Saturday, and the lighting of the fire, uh, the lighting of the Paschal candle, the proclamation of Christ's victory, and then the new bread, and we celebrate the Eucharist again the risen Christ. So those three days go together. They're not separated. Mm-hmm. They are one continuous movement of the Lord from giving us the Eucharist to his death and his resurrection. You, you know, Bishop Quinn, I, I'm always fascinated by people's journeys and stories and things. Like, I I remember, like, as a child, I, I have these very, I, I'll, I call them moments of grace, but, like, very vivid memories of specific things that happened in the church, whether it was like on Ash Wednesday or, you know, Palm Sunday or the garden or the crucifixion or kissing the cross. What Do you have any, like, think back as like a, a boy or young child, were, were there, through, through these high holy days that we're about to enter in, do you have any vivid memories as a child or like moments of grace where God really spoke to your heart or that really impacted you for your, your faith journey going forward? Well, there's two that always stand out, and they still do today. Uh, the uh, On Holy Thursday, the altar of repose, the time for us to be with Jesus in the garden, uh, to pray, pray for the Church, for one another, to ask the Lord to enter our hearts. So that still is something of great um, uh, meaning to me, and when I'm with people in prayer till midnight, it touches my heart. Deeply, and then also on a holy um, on Good Friday, rather uh, the reverencing of the cross. I still can see my home pastor uh, raising the cross and unveiling it. You know, one arm at a time. Uh, the powerful sign of the cross being raised above us as the Christ's redemptive work is. He's raised on the cross. He is healing our our sins. So those are uh, powerful moments, and I hope. And today uh, in the Church, we're able to also still provide those for everyone, particularly young people, who take that into their heart and years later continue to draw from it. Now, so Bishop Quinn, we had a call-in segment earlier, and I got some questions that we never got to ask on or respond to, but they're so good, and I thought, man, you would really be the one who could give us some insight here. So the first one that came in was uh, um, this gentleman, he wrote in, he said, everybody in my family went to Mass regularly before Masses were suspended last spring. That was a year ago right now. Um, Now they don't go at all. What can I do to encourage them to return to Mass? That's a really wonderful, wonderful question. Uh, As you know, we can become um, victims of habit. And the concession the Church gave us was uh, to be um, relieved of the obligation 
uh, but we were still encouraged to go on live streaming. It is only because of the transmission of the virus, but also the fact that uh, churches could only be at, at most half occupancy. So those, I believe that is starting to change and that uh, we are able to accommodate more. Last year, we couldn't accommodate any more than, I believe, 10. I would just say this. I'm, in fact, uh, as you uh, called me this morning, I'm working on a, a, a really nice, what I hope, very pastoral but encouraging statement that can be sent uh, to all the parishes and put on their um, websites and bulletins, encouraging people who are in good health that if there's space in the church to start coming. We can't replace the Eucharist with anything. There is only one gift of the Eucharist, and I would hope Catholics are missing it. Uh, And I've said to some people, because of Sunday, there's not enough room in the church, then come during the week. Uh, But don't begin to live a life without Jesus Christ and about being nourished by the Eucharist. So I'd encourage that person who wrote in, um, maybe invite the, the family or people, uh, make sure the church is, uh, has space, but come on with me this Sunday. So it's a, it's a personal invitation. There, there's another one that came in, and you kind of touched on a little bit already, but um, in, in my parishes, we, used, we recently had a deanery meeting, and our bishop came, and we had what I thought was a really incredible um, dynamic discussion about the moral obligation and putting that moral obligation back on and what it means. And I, I have to say, personally, I, I'm always kind of sad that we have a moral obligation to attend Mass. You know what I mean? Like, in the sense right. that it strikes me as, like, people should... Uh, why aren't you just going? Why do you need a moral obligation? But, okay, so here's the specific question the person wrote in. They said, um, I don't think bishops realize how damaging it is to keep dispensation from Mass obligation in place at this point. The longer the obligation is lifted, the harder it will be to recover from this. So it'd be great as, as a, can you give us some insight as from a bishop's perspective about that whole moral obligation and, and, and what does that have to do with people returning? Of course, I, I think what we always want to do to live a life of discipleship and virtue, there's an interior freedom. We don't do it by, because we have to or because of the penalty of uh, sin. It's always an interior freedom, and we want to live it because of Jesus Christ. And so what you said, uh, Father, about the Eucharist, uh, there is, it seems, for us as disciples, if we really are following Jesus, then his presence in the Eucharist is essential in how we follow him and receive uh, his body and blood into our lives and to live out that Eucharist uh, in faithful lives to both uh, caring for others but the teachings of the Church. So I, I agree with you completely. Uh, I hate to impose an obligation when it should be something we're yearning for and desiring. One of the practical problems that I face as a bishop is, as you said, the diocese here is the entire uh, southern counties of the state of Minnesota, and some of our churches are quite small. And with the 50% occupancy rule, and uh, it becomes difficult. And if I tell people that they must go back to Mass, people also have to be able to fulfill that. So we're getting close to it. 
I know at some point we are going to do that, but we need uh, a little bit more vaccine, a little bit more assurance so that we can do this safely. But we're getting close, and now I'm encouraging, as well as my pastors, for people who can start coming back. Uh, You don't want to get into that habit of what spiritual laziness We're visiting with uh, Bishop John Quinn from the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. Closely related to this topic is the um, invitation for people to celebrate the sacrament of penance, to be reconciled and to be in a state of grace. It might be complicated by some people saying, well, as long as the um, obligation for Sunday Mass attendance has been, you know, uh, uh, dispensed, uh, that, uh, you know, I it's it's not as though you know the the missing of masses on sundays or holy days of obligation you know applies in that but uh still we have a, certainly we have a great need to experience that forgiveness in a personal way as one of the main tools to um uh, to resume the practice of our faith well i encourage our our priests here throughout the pandemic that we always had the sacrament of penance uh, available in fact we made sure that uh, we had confessionals that had uh, perhaps more airflow in them, but were very private. We made sure that in some cases, priests, when the weather was good, were out in the parking lot, uh, a drive-through. I was amazed at all of the generosity of my brother priest, but making it available. And also on Holy uh, Thursday and on Good Friday, uh, I hear confessions myself, and I encourage our priests uh, people are there. Uh, grace is at work. They're meditating on the most sacred mysteries of our life. And there are people who have come, and they're searching to have themselves reconciled. So I encourage our priests uh, to hear confessions. Uh, sure. Make sure Holy Week, is, you have generous times, because grace is abounding. Yeah. In the couple of minutes that we have left with you, Bishop, uh, there are some events coming up here that you've indicated that you'd like to draw our attention to. One of them is an annual observance um, that uh, the uh, Minnesota Catholic Conference is involved in, in Catholics at the Capitol, uh, happening at St. Paul. Uh, could we ask you to just uh, say a word or two about um, the, about what that event means? Yes, I, it's a wonderful event where we encourage our Catholics to bring our faith into the public square. And we do that because of legislation and because we want our legislators to be aware of Catholic teaching, so that whether it's on the life issue, whether it has to do with uh, voting rights, immigration, any of those things, they all stem from care and love for the unborn child. So here becomes an opportunity for us as Catholics, to interact with the people who've been voted into office. So Catholics at the Capitol is uh, to get our people uh, to be not only uh, aware of the beauty of our Catholic uh, faith and our teachings, but also to be in dialogue with those who are in office. So we look forward to that as uh, bishops will have Mass uh, and to start off the uh, event. And then we have our people come to the uh, Capitol here in St. Paul, and they interact with their legislators. So it's a day to make us more, what would you say, astute but responsive. And we don't just have people elected and not hold them accountable. 
Very good. And additionally, I guess more locally, from your perspective, there is a, a celebration dinner that's on tap for IHM Seminary there in Winona? It is. It's on the 16th of April. It'll be the day after Catholics at the Capitol, which is April 15th. Okay. And it's really our opportunity. Uh, this year we'll be virtual uh, because uh, we it's just not possible to serve uh, a meal uh, safely uh, for 300 or 400 people. And then if we, uh, and we usually, we oversubscribe, meaning more people want to come, and then we'd have to turn some away. So we're going to, this year, hopefully be the last year we do it virtually, but we're very blessed. The main speaker will be Archbishop Christophe Pierre. So he will reflect for us on his experience here of Catholicism, but especially vocations. So the uh, dinner, uh, the virtual, really, uh, rector dinner will be on the 16th. And uh, uh, our parishioners and people of goodwill, and we invite anyone who would like to, um, it's a way to support our men who are coming forward to discern for the priesthood. Excellent. And as we uh, take leave of you, uh, would you be so kind, Bishop, as to offer us your blessing? I certainly will. And again, thank you for... Uh, having me this morning, uh, and pleasure. I wish, of course, God's blessings uh, to all who are uh, listening and to their families. Gracious God, pour down your blessing. Be a lamp unto our feet, guiding our steps in the way of salvation. May you fill our hearts with peace. May we look upon you and see your face. And may we come to you to receive the great gift of forgiveness and mercy so that these days of Holy Week that are quickly approaching, we may be renewed by these events of Jesus Christ's salvation and rise with him on Easter. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come upon us and remain forever and ever. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Bishop Quinn, the Bishop of uh, Winona, Rochester, Minnesota, for joining us, and blessings to you and your brother priests and the faithful of that diocese. God bless you. Thank you, Fathers. Thank you. We have one more break, and then a brief segment afterwards. Was Dr. Seuss really a bad guy? We'll talk about it after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now is the time to stand up for life and dignity in Minnesota. Hello, this is Archbishop Bernard Hebda. Join Catholics across Minnesota for Catholics at the Capitol, April 15th at the Cathedral of St. Paul. Be formed in the faith, informed on issues impacting life and dignity, and sent on mission to transform our state. We will celebrate Mass, hear from inspiring speakers, and head to the Capitol in a Eucharistic procession before meeting with legislators. Get your tickets at catholicsatthecapitol.org. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. 
A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. Okay. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Uh, Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer joining you from the Diocese of Fargo. And in the few minutes that we have left, there's a pressing topic that I wanted to bring up, maybe with uh, not only a Catholic perspective, but just looking at how things tend to turn around in history. Uh, Kyle Smith, an author with a National Review, uh, submitted an article entitled Dr. Seuss Gets Blindsided by a Moral Minority. And uh, it's not just about this, but there are other books. We were talking earlier about this author, Ryan Anderson, and his book When Harry Became Sally, talking about issues of gender confusion and dysphoria and how it's basically being censored in major you know, e-book uh, publishers. So I just wanted to read a couple of his thoughts here that he has about this whole this whole dynamic uh, Kyle writes if in 1987 the editorial boards of the major newspapers learned that a fanatical cult of angry moral scolds representing a small sliver of the population was successfully campaigning to remove books from the public eye with the not so subtle encouragement of the president and his political allies they would have been outraged in fact, liberal pundits were outraged by far less disturbing developments than these, and in the 90s they were re-enraged by suggestions that even the most deliberately offensive art should not enjoy a public subsidy nor scarce space among museum displays. So what changed? The left used to be against banishing books, banning books, burning books. Now, scarcely a week goes by without some breathtaking new advance in its campaign to bury this or that book in order that the public might never be infected with its ideas. Now, there was a decision that was made by the um, uh, Dr. Seuss Enterprises to withhold the publication of six of uh, books. This seems to have been targeted, uh, Kyle goes on to say, for trivial details that only the most hypersensitive, hysterical, Eric would deem hurtful and wrong, as the Seuss outfit now labels them, declining to specify exactly what it finds offensive. And uh, he just concludes by uh, talking about uh, one other reflection about this. He says, I'm old enough to remember when liberals saw looming Christian theocracy as the most pernicious threat to values, and when banning books was the single most horrible manifestation of that tendency that they could imagine. Now that we're in the early days of the establishment of a woke theocracy, they're eagerly looking for more books to throw on the cultural bonfire. So it kind of makes you wonder, you know, what, what do we make of all of this? <laughs> well, well, it makes me incredibly sad, nervous, scared, you know, because a lot, a lot of this energy is being directed towards Christian authors and Christian perspectives. and I mean, just like, I mean, everything from like, well, like life site news or, or, um, some of the more main, mainstream Catholic people, they've been banned from Twitter, from uh, from YouTube, and so forth. They can't even get their their ideas out there anymore. So it's mm -hmm. it, it, it shows that we need an alternate um, 
technological development of or another way for uh, yeah. the the Christian perspective to be able to be freely exercised, whether you're on the right or the left. A consideration of what true freedom is, you know, and ought to mean in a society. So anyway, just some food for thought there. And we're going to be looking ahead to the next show, and we need an, a preview from Eli down in Command Central. Hey, thanks, Father. Got another great show coming up tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hosted by Father Brian Christensen and Karen Gibis, coming to you from the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Rapid City, South Dakota. They'll start off the show with the topic, From Christendom to, to the Apostolic Mission. You'll have to tune in to hear more about that. Then Father Gerard Braun of the Diocese of Fargo will be with us to get us ready for Sunday. Plus, Alyssa, Alyssa O'Connor will share her talents with us. All this and so much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Right back to you. Thank you very much, Eli. We're looking forward to that broadcast. Again, thanks to everyone for joining us today. We only have a couple of minutes left, and I just wanted to talk about something that I'm sure is near and dear to your heart, as, as well as I've come to know you, Father Leffer. We have basketball coming out of our ears with March Madness starting. The Both the men's and the women's tournaments, it means a lot more to people since they're happening this year and were suspended, sadly, last year, as well as the state Class B boys basketball tournament, really the crown jewel of prep uh, tournaments. Uh, in North Dakota, and um, uh, there's a trend happening I've seen uh, talked about in sports, especially in the NBA. They're breaking records this year for the most three-pointers attempted in games, the most three-point shots made, and things like that, how some of these guys are actually standing closer to the center court logo than the three-point line and are firing away and things like that. So um, somebody who has grown up playing basketball and loved it, is the three-point shot harming basketball <laughs> so you're you're talking to a guy who i remember the day that it was introduced and we put tape on our gymnasium and and we started so i i've always been one who i i think the three-point line and shot and everything is wonderful for basketball i think mm -hmm. it adds it because i don't know if you remember the days before but you could yeah. literally have a shutdown thing where the score of the game would be eight to ten at the end because you could do a stall defense or this or you'd have these incredible blowouts and you couldn't get right. caught up or whatever. So I'd say, well, if you can make it from half court, it, it forces the other team to extend their defense out and, and to come on out. You know, if you if you got the guy who can do it. So uh, I think it's exciting. I think it's great yeah. for the game. You so. just you just have to adapt. And I mean, it, it is a marvel to see these marksmen just kind of hitting Well, maybe shots. they can have like a four and a five point line so that you can know. Seriously. <laughs> that might, that, I, I mean, if you're way behind, you need to get, you know, right, add another right. dimension. Thanks so much for joining us on behalf of Father Jason Left. Father James Gross thanking you and we'll visit with you next time. God bless you and your families. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Hello. radio app. And remember, you can Great be a part today, of the conversation awesome. through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, um, engaging, no, and live but on the Real I did Presence write that radio tease, network. So I take, um, I take credit. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs>